Hey, well, yeah, we really want to bless uh, Kettleston. So be mindful of them in the next few uh, days and weeks. And uh, please join uh, with us in uh, prayer as we bless Kettleston. In fact, let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, we just want to uh, join with uh, Kettleston and uh, all of these camps across uh, our province and beyond uh, that minister to ki uh, kids and bring them the gospel, give them just a, a wonderful summer. Uh, and uh, this year is very different. So, Father, would you... Um, bless each camp, uh, meeting their needs, and I pray that uh, support for each of those camps would continue, and that as we launch into uh, a new season and another uh, year next summer, uh, that there'd be just a great opportunity for many people to uh, flood camps and to experience uh, your goodness and uh, just be able to hear uh, the gospel. So uh, we thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, well, that Living Hope video was uh, pretty fun. Uh, it was so neat to kind of see everybody again and to see them worshiping. And again, we do miss uh, having you uh, here with us uh, as, we, as we worship. Uh, we are in the middle of a, a series we're calling Start With Blessing. And uh, last week we uh, kicked it off and we looked at the Lord's Prayer. We looked at two things that we see in the Lord's Prayer. First, that God is our Father and that as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we get adopted into that family and we get to call out to him like a father with uh, confidence as we pray. But we also get to experience, again, his love and affection and just uh, being, uh, having him be our wonderful Heavenly Father who cares for our needs, uh, who brings us joy, who delights in us, who guides us through life. But the other thing that we said that we also see in the Lord's Prayer is that we have him as father, but our father is a king, and he has an expanding uh, kingdom. And we talked about uh, the nature of his kingdom expanding into our world uh, last week. So if you haven't uh, taken the uh, time to watch that uh, or listen to it through our podcast, please do that uh, and get caught up. And uh, as we continue to go, uh, we're going to uh, keep moving on this uh, through this series, uh, Start With Blessing. Uh, again, last week we ended, again, our service by saying, hey, I am a child of the king, where we recognize both that he is our father, but that our father is a king. And many of you even responded in our comments, and I encourage you to continue to do that kind of thing as we go here this morning. Um, we are adopted into his family, and we're also part of his kingdom's expansion. Uh, we were also reminded that last week, evangelism and the gospel are actually one in the same. Evangelism is the English word that comes straight from the Greek word that is often also translated as gospel. It is good news and it should bring hope to everyone. It should inspire people. Um, and we briefly outlined a four-part strategy for how we can go about helping to advance God's kingdom. So that's where we're going to pick things up today. Now despite the fact that evangelism is sharing good news, it is not often received that way. Not everyone is ready to hear it. In fact, Jesus often prayed, you know, for those people who have the ears to hear, let them hear that there would be specific people who might hear the sound but not hear the message. And he would pray for that. There's an opposition to God's rule and reign. In fact, that's the condition of the sinful human heart is op uh, opposition to his rule and reign. The devil's strategy is to bring blindness to people so that they can't see that there is this God who is pursuing them with this love, this fatherly love, and he, that he desires, uh, that God desires to bring us into his kingdom. So that's the devil's strategy. And we said that religion is a touchy subject. 
uh, that for many people in our culture, it's something they do not want to talk about. And many times Christians feel like they're unqualified, they're awkward, uh, fearful, and despite sometimes our best intentions can come across as being self-righteous when we talk about our faith. So where do we begin? Where do we start? We start with blessing. Uh, This morning we're going to take a look at uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter uh, 10. And there's a number of times when Jesus outlines a strategy or a tactic for going out to share the good news of the kingdom. And one of these clear examples is in Luke 10. This is going to be the passage that we're going to look at today as well as come back throughout our series. Okay, so let's dive in. And uh, these scriptures will be on the screen in front of you, although you can also pull out uh, your digital or analog uh, or hard copy Bible as well. Here we go. This is Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazan, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, we're going to unpack a bit of this uh, today and then keep coming back to this throughout the series. So if there's things that we don't get to, uh, just be aware of that. And again, if you've ever got questions or comments, uh, just reach out to us. Send us a message. We would love to respond to you. So this is the strategy that we see in verses 5 to 9. Bless, spend time, meet needs, and share Jesus. Let's quickly just look at those verses. Bless. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Okay, spend time. Stay there. 
eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Number three, meet needs. Heal the sick who are there. And then we share Jesus. The kingdom has come near to you. Now, sometimes these elements in this pattern are unfolding all at once. They're all happening quickly, all in one moment, one encounter. But sometimes it is years and years of walking this out faithfully that will lead to someone choosing to put their faith in Jesus. Um, But this is a strategy we believe actually works. In fact, it had to. Jesus said, you're sheep and you're going to be among wolves. Now, if you were a sheep approaching a wolf, you might seriously consider your next move. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? You probably wouldn't criticize them for being a carnivore and start talking about the wonders of grazing. You better think carefully about what you say and how you say it. You better be positive, kind, gracious, helpful. If you are a sheep among wolves, you had better have a plan. So we're going to look at this text verse by verse and try to outline outline what we think is Jesus' plan. But Luke 10 verse 1 starts with after this. So I'm eager to dive into this, but I think we actually better back up and look at what came in the preceding chapters just briefly. So before Jesus sends out the 72 to do this uh, work, we see a few things In chapter 9, we see that Jesus calms the storm. He demonstrates that he is Lord over nature. He casts out a demon. In fact, legions of demons, if you look in chapter 8. He's Lord over the spiritual forces of darkness and demons. He raises a girl from the dead. He is Lord over disease. He is Lord over death. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, Okay, it's your turn. And he sends out the 12 in a similar pattern that we see in Luke 10. They go out blessing and proclaiming the gospel and that the kingdom has come near to people. We see the feeding of the 5,000. He is the Lord who provides. There's Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord who saves. And as this happens, he also predicts his death. He is the Lord who suffers for us. There's a transfiguration. The three disciples see Jesus with Elijah and Moses up on a mountain. He is Lord over the law and the prophets. Then there's a healing of a demon-possessed boy. Uh, The disciples couldn't heal the boy, and Jesus says that the disciples are unbelieving and that they're part of a perverse and unbelieving generation. And again, the word perverse, most times when we hear it, we think of it in a sexual context. However, the word is actually to reverse This might be not getting your priorities in the right order or the right steps in the right order as well. That the process is actually reversed. Jesus predicts his death a second time. And that you see even many Samaritans rejecting Jesus because of his plans to go through to Jerusalem. Then there is the cost of following Jesus. He outlines it a number of ways that there is a cost to following Jesus. Then he turns to the 72, and he says, your turn, you can head out. So in chapter 9, we have 12 people sent out, and in chapter 10, we have 72 people coming out. This kingdom forces have been multiplied six times. So how did that happen? 
So here's my quick sum up of the chapters that have come before. Up until this point, the environment has been really spiritually hostile. But it begins to change. And here's why I believe it does. Jesus reveals himself as Lord. And the disciples behold him. Jesus keeps giving away his power and authority. And Jesus shows them how much he's willing to suffer for them. And he also invites his followers to great sacrifice as well. And he multiplies his team. Okay, let's get into chapter 10. So this is starting in verse 1. So after the Lord appointed the 72 others, he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So here's the question for you. Are we supposed to, as Christians, do evangelism in pairs? Are we supposed to use the buddy system? I really think this is about accountability. Though I know of some examples of single individuals being very successful at sharing their faith and leading people to Christ, rarely are they actually alone. They have a supporting church or supporting friends or family that are with them in in spirit and praying for them, supporting them even financially in terms of what they do. There's people who are actually with them as they go. I know of one uh, story where there was a person who received a Bible through the efforts of Bible smugglers into a place where it was not allowed, you were not allowed to have the Bible or read it. He received a Bible, read through the Bible, and through it became a Christian. He put his faith in Jesus. And up until he led his friend to Jesus was the only Christian that he knew. The two of them baptized each other in an apartment tub because they were the church that they knew. And then they began to reach their area for Christ. But even imagine this, how many prayers went with that Bible at the cost of all of those Bible smugglers who are risking lots to be able to get those Bibles into many places. And again, that that story grew to the point where those people would receive that story and celebrate that their work of getting these Bibles into the hands of people could bring, bring that kind of transformation to a whole area. There was some kind of support, even for that one person all on their own. So what's the point? If you're going to be successful in sharing the good news with people, you need to have some kind of accountability. It's best when someone else goes with you. Now, I try to exercise regularly, and mostly that happens alone. But I still look back on a time when a friend of mine and I would carpool. We would just go to the gym together. Even sometimes at the gym, we wouldn't even be together. We had our own routines and our own programs that were working but we would just go together. And that made almost all of the difference. And when we were together, we always pushed each other to perform at a higher level because we were there and in it together. Anyone who has been on a successful team knows that it's not about the all-star players on the team, but about the interdependence that comes from working together, bringing skills and ideas and perspectives, personalities together so that you can add strength and become more effective Is it impossible on your own? No, but it is next to impossible. So join together. You can strengthen and encourage each other, not to just survive in this world, but to join together and thrive in it and bring his kingdom. So start thriving together. Stop just surviving. This is verse two. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his 
harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So right now in Musha, lots of the church buildings are empty in this current season. But even if everything was kind of normal as it was, there would still be many empty seats, not only here at Hillcrest, but in many of the church buildings that we have here. And in fact, if we did our efforts in seeing every single seat in every single church filled with people who were from Moose Jaw, that they were, if we worked hard at evangelism and they were able to accept Jesus and come in and, and worship with us, there would still be thousands and thousands of people in our city that didn't know Jesus and didn't have a place to worship. And so we need to go beyond the thinking about these places. We need to take the gospel out and to go to where they are. But sadly, many Christians won't ever play their part in blessing people, in meeting their needs, spending time with unbelievers, and then sharing their faith and proclaiming the kingdom. And I often think about this moment between verse 2 and verse 3 where he says the harvest is plentiful. Again, there's thousands and thousands of people just here in Musha who don't know him. There are so many out there that we can reach. The harvest is plentiful. Uh, but I think of this verse, this transition between verse 2 and 3, and I imagine him pausing, you know, saying the harvest is plentiful, so ask. And then almost, you know, pausing for a moment, looking at his disciples and going, ask, ask me. And then as they're just about to pray their prayer, maybe they just barely get out a word, he interrupts them and says, go, I'm sending you. And I think many people should be praying for workers, but I think we should also, almost every time we pray that prayer, feel like we're being interrupted by the Lord to say, go, I'm sending you. Um, Wes Mills, he's the current president of ACOP, which is the fellowship of churches that Hillcrest is a part of. He sets an alarm every day. And he prays this prayer. And a couple of years ago, I was with him taking a class about uh, ACOP's history. And in the middle, when he was teaching every day, this alarm went off. And even if it was a key moment in the class or in his teaching, he would stop and he would pray. He would invite us to pray with him. And he would pray that people would be called to fulfill their God-given assignments that they would be raised up and sent out. Uh, perhaps you need to have an alarm like that. He used something like this. Maybe it was at 9.37 in the morning. That's Matthew's account of the harvest being plentiful, but the workers being few. Or maybe it was 10.02 because of Luke chapter 2, and, or chapter 10 and verse 2. Christians, I think we should be praying that God's kingdom would come, that it would advance, and that workers would be raised up. But don't miss this. He's saying, go, I am sending you. Pray this prayer, but consider yourself sent. In fact, the moment that you start to pray, you should feel the Lord interrupting you. In fact, if you have ever doubted that you were supposed to play any part in evangelism, sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, if you've ever felt that, right now, set aside those doubts Consider yourself sent. In fact, I believe that this will happen. Faith is rising right now. I can feel it in my own heart. I am sensing that there's transformation happening in me and perhaps in you. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. Consider yourself sent. Okay, this is verse 4. Do not take 
a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. What, is, what exactly is Jesus getting at uh, when he's giving specifics about purses, sandals, and saying hello to people on roads? When you are in a hurry in the grocery store to get a few ingredients for a meal that is already being started at home, and you see somebody that you know, you have to carefully decide how you're going to interact with them at all. You consider, am I going to make eye contact at all, right? Have you done that before where you're like, I just didn't see them, right? I'm sure that you have. Um, or maybe you're like, okay, I have time to glance at them, give them, you know, eyebrows or a lip movement of some kind to say, I acknowledge that you're there. Maybe you even go as far as to say, hi, nice to see you. But again, there's an urgency. You've got to get those ingredients home. You're on a mission. You have a purpose, And so I think this is much like that. It's not so much about the sandals or anything, but in fact is more about what you're going to do, what you were headed out to do. And so as Jesus is giving instructions, I think he's sending people to specific places, to specific people. And he's not just sending people out in a mild sense of urgency to anyone everywhere. He's sending them with this high degree of urgency to specific people. And I believe that we need to also be specific. So this isn't about being antisocial on the roads. Um, This is about reaching specific people. Now, Hillcrest's mission is this, again, that we strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. That's a lofty goal. In fact, one that if every other church in the globe disappeared for one reason or another, we would feel like it is our job to reach the whole world. But that's a lofty goal, and it's hard to put that on the ground unless you have a specific goal in mind. What are you going to do? There's certain things that you can do that will lead to that greater outcome. So this is our assertion. There are specific people that you are to reach. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have a destiny. We are uniquely positioned, uniquely qualified to reach certain people. It's how his kingdom is designed. We get to experience the adoption into his family and then get to extend that same invitation to others. So be specific. In fact, we think you should make a list. I think it's critical that every king's kid Every child of the king to make a list of the people that they're going to try to reach for Christ. That they're going to begin to bless in prayer. They want them to experience his goodness. And uh, I think you should pick one name, even now. And then add two more. We'll talk more about this in just a minute, but let's continue. In verse 5, we get to the blessing. When you enter a house, first say... Peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them, and if not, it will return to you. That seems creepy. Anybody else? Again, I imagine some kind of glow moving about the room somehow with some kind of eerie sound. At first, I don't know what to do with this. What is this peace? How do we bring it to a house? How do we know if it rested on a person? Who's a person of peace? And what do we do if it doesn't rest on them? 
So this, we believe, is the first step in the process, and we've called it bless. And we started by looking at the Lord's Prayer. So when we say bless, this is what we mean. It is praying for specific people to experience the goodness and blessing of the kingdom of God. That his kingdom would come to where they are. That the tangible benefits of knowing and walking with God would begin to pour out on them through your prayers. Leaving those people with an overwhelming sense that God is coming close to them. See, those of us who were at Kettleston Camp last year during the first family camp, we heard story after story from Benji and Jessica McNaughton. Uh, They were teaching on some of these principles. They would bless people in prayer to the point where they could sense it. It was so encouraging. And in fact, if you want to hear those messages from last year's camp, we have them available. And if you would like to hear them, uh, just contact us and we'll let you know how you can get a hold of those. Here's a few examples of their prayers of blessing. So Benji and Jessica, for a while, were living in an apartment, and they began to pray blessing on units beside them, on either side, and above and below them. And they spent years praying for people, but they began to see breakthrough. And here's just a couple of examples of what happened. At first, there was this one person who was very opposed to them, did not like them scowling. You know, if they were pulling up at the same time, they wouldn't even get out of their car until they were kind of gone. And they began to pray and pray blessing on these people, uh, on this person. And uh, what ended up happening is eventually she approached them and said, you know what, hey, you're good people, and I understand what you're doing here, but I'm moving. I'm leaving because it's bad for my business. And what it was is she was a Wiccan witch, And she was doing all kinds of things in that area, but she could sense the presence of these believers in that space and the blessings that were coming her way. And they tried to share the gospel with her, but this person, again, they they just had to leave because they were praying. So there's a person who, again, was rejecting the invitation. But another person came and knocked on their door and said, I know what you guys are doing. You're praying for me, you're blessing me, and I'm having the same experience that I was always having with my mom. My mom is a Christian. She's been praying for me for years, and I'm running from God, so I left home, and I show up here in this apartment building, and I can't get away, and so there he surrendered his life to the Lord because there was this blessing that was happening. In another city, they mentioned in Vallejo in California, there was a church, a church that began to adopt uh, in prayer specific people, but it was streets. If you lived on a street, you would pray for every single person on your street. They began to bless them in prayer. And what happened was, as they kind of charted out on a map, this church, that as they were kind of noting where people lived and what streets were being prayed for, they roughly estimated that they had about 30% of the whole city of the streets adopted in prayer. And as they were noticing that information, uh, taking a look at their efforts, they noticed that also at the same time, violent crime in the city had decreased by about 30%. And perhaps that is a coincidence, but one of my favorite quotes, I just saw it recently again in the Alpha videos, it's from a guy named William Temple. And he says this about coincidences and prayer. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. So here this is, this idea of blessing in prayer. This is talking to God about your neighbors before you talk to your neighbors about God. 
This is the essence of what we mean by starting with blessing. Talk to God about your neighbors before you talk to your neighbors about God. When you're choosing specific people that you're going to bless in prayer, there's a variety of ways that you might approach it. And any way is great. Think about the people that are already in your life. Family members. Most Christians pray for close family members who are not believers because they love them and they want them to experience his goodness. Put those people on your list of specific people that you're going to pray for. I often think of my grandparents when I think about grandparents praying this kind of prayer. Every morning at breakfast, they would pray for their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. They did this all the way up into their 90s. And I remember my dad saying, um, sometimes on hard days, he was always grateful that no matter what was happening, there was somebody out there that had already prayed for him by name. Again, as a kid sitting at their table, you know, I'd be worried that my Cheerios were going to be soggy because there was a long list of names in people that were in their life. And even into their 90s, my grandparents were bearing fruit and sharing their gospel with people that were in their lives. Um, Friends. Maybe as soon as we started talking about praying for a certain person uh, that doesn't know Jesus, that you would love to see come into the kingdom, maybe a friend came to mind. Take that as the Lord's leading and add them to your list. Now, there's lots of different ways that we are connected to people. We have lots of different spheres of influence uh, that you can think about those people that don't know Jesus. Maybe it's through work or maybe through school. Uh, Maybe it's through a hobby or a club. Maybe it's through parents, through your children's involvements. Maybe it's sports or maybe it's just buying groceries. Again, Benji and Jess out at camp this last year, uh, they told a story about spending almost 10 years that they tried reaching certain people just at the grocery store when they went to get groceries and they were reaching out for people. They were telling stories about how when they go into the grocery store, they get hugs from some of the workers. Maybe, again, it is just your neighbors, the people that are close to you on your street, the house to the left or the right, or across the street or across the back alley. When Jesus told the parable of the, story, or the, the, parable of the Good Samaritan, um, people often lived in their cultural cluster. If you were the same, you lived in one area, and travel was more limited. But more so in our day, people who are right next door to us are vastly different. So again, I encourage you, as you're thinking about populating your list of who would you like to begin blessing people in prayer, think of your neighbors, the people who are just close to you. By now, most of you Christians, most of you King's kids, should have a list that's growing in your mind. There should be faces coming to mind, places or houses. Write them down. Start making your list. Start small if you need to. It would be better to have one person on your list that you're praying for than not having a list or having a a list that's way too long that you can never really get to. Start small if you need to. One person, maybe two more. But we would love to see that idea of every street in our city being adopted by someone from Hillcrest or someone from the church, the church here in Musha, and praying for them so that they would come into the kingdom. In fact, that's why the the branding for Start With Blessing has a map and a pin on it. That's you. Start right where you are. And again, remember, talk to God about your neighbors before you talk to your neighbors about God. 
A great way to do this is to just go for a walk, but pray while you walk. And then you'll begin to see this shift in the atmosphere in your whole neighborhood. Again, if you look at Luke 9, from, uh, or sorry, from 1 to 9, there's lots of spiritual hostility. There's lots of demonic activity and other kinds of things happening. But again, as Jesus begins to multiply his kingdom forces going out in blessing, you don't see the same thing from chapter 10 onwards. There's only one other account of demonic activity and there's something that begins to shift. In fact, um, one of the most powerful words in relationship to happiness and joy is expressed at the end of this chapter where Jesus is so excited to see them coming back and he prays this prayer to his father. So bless specific people in prayer and uh, you'll begin to see the darkness give way to the light. Uh, and again, imagine that happening in your family, but imagine that happening on your street or in our whole city or in our whole nation. So when you bless certain people in prayer, a few things will happen. They will begin to sense it in some way, like some of the stories that I shared about Benji and Jess. But also your heart will begin to change. See, some of you might have terrible neighbors. Maybe they are loud when you think it should be quiet. Maybe they have a messy yard and you wish they would clean it up. Or maybe they're the neat freak and they're kind of cramping your style. You know, they're getting after you for your dandelions and you're thinking, well, who are you to tell me about my front lawn? Maybe, again, you've got these people in your life. I think lots of times Christians have the, almost the same feeling, you know, when somebody kind of cuts you off in traffic. I think many Christians have that same feeling just about the wolves. Um, but again, this strategy of just blessing people in prayer, it makes an environment where sheep are welcomed in by the wolves. They even actually begin to care for you. Did you notice that in verse chapter 8? It says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, that they actually become hospitable to you. Um, we'll have the chance to talk about what to do if your peace doesn't rest on uh, someone in the coming weeks. But a brief thought on it while we're here looking at the text. Some people will be receptive to the gospel and the blessings of, in prayer that you give. But others won't. Some wolves will always want to eat you for lunch and it's okay to move on. But be mindful of the persons of peace who are receptive, as you pray, those people will become more and more obvious and it will lead to a greater impact. And you don't have to give up praying those prayers of blessing if someone is hostile to the gospel. Again, just before this, we see that Jesus was rejected by the Samaritans as he was, because he was heading to Jerusalem. But he didn't allow his disciples to think poorly of them. And when Jesus had conquered sin and death and was sending them out, he sent them to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the, world, end of the earth. And we see in Acts that many of them put their faith in Jesus. As you bless and as the kingdom is coming near to them, you will have more and more opportunities to spend time with them and meet their needs and have the chance to proclaim the good news of Jesus. If you start with blessing, all you have to do is follow the trail it will change your heart and theirs. It will lead to friendships. You'll understand their hurts 
and their needs, and you'll be able to respond with the resources of heaven and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is here. I can't wait for the next few weeks. I think this is an exciting series to be going through. There's something powerful, I believe, that is happening in uh, the life of this church. We believe that this is um, an answer to prayers we've been praying for years, and we're excited to go forward in the next few weeks and to see what God begins to do through you. It's a bold step into the future. I have a few questions for you as we end to just reflect on. Who do you want to see come into the kingdom of God? To experience his love and goodness. And again, I think we should be specific. Write down their names. Write down their address or a brief description about them if you don't know them by name. So who do you want to see come into the kingdom of God? The other question is, who are you going with? Who are you joining in these efforts? Who's going to be your buddy? And I encourage you, as you think about who you're connected to in life, I encourage you to share your list with them. Again, life groups, you'll have the chance to do this if you're still meeting. But friends, reach out to friends. Say, would you hold me accountable to this list? Would you ask me, how's prayer going? Are you starting to have your heart changed towards them? Or are you noticing any opportunities to spend more time with them? Are they sharing with you their needs? And then you'll be able to respond and continue this process. And when are you going to pray for more kingdom workers? Maybe you've got an alarm you need to set. As we finish this morning, and as you're reflecting on this, I want to encourage you, again, it's not about being an incredible evangelist. I think, in fact, even in the scripture when it talks about evangelists, it's those people who are especially gifted uh, to do teaching about their strategies. And again, we learn from Benji and Jess out at Kettleston about prayer evangelism, some of these ideas and themes that we're sharing with you now. And uh, it was written, again, a book called Prayer Evangelism uh, by Jessica's dad, Ed Silvoso. And we're taking these things and we're learning from people who are evangelists. And maybe you're like me and you're feeling like you're not one. But I believe that we can um, have our hearts changed through this process of praying these prayers of blessings. So let me pray for us now as we, as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to us. That it wasn't about us um, trying to come and find you. You came to us. You brought the kingdom near to us so that we could experience your goodness. That it was through your intercession even that we were able to respond to the blessing as it came. So Father, would you help us to play that part in the lives of our friends, of our coworkers, of our classmates, maybe our neighbors, that we could pray prayers of blessing that would change the spiritual atmosphere where they are at and even throughout our whole city so that there would be a receptivity to your truth, to your gospel, that your rule and reign, your kingdom would come here in our lives but also in our city and beyond. So Lord, would you lead us forward? Would you help us to be able to um, answer the call to go? And would you go with us? 
Would you give us the right strategies, the right words to be able to go with so that even as sheep among wolves, uh, we could be at home among them and bring your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Again, if you would like to pray with someone, you're always welcome to uh, send us a message or even now, uh, right after this live stream, if you want, you can call uh, the church and we would love to pray with you. Have a great week.